Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. I need to lay down. Oh, yeah, of course. Right this way. Don't go to sleep. What? Gosh, you're so pretty. Wait. <laughs> what are you? It's okay. Hey, it's okay. You're safe. What are you doing? Oh, God, your body. What are you doing? Oh. What are you doing? Wait. I'm Emma and welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 165, Promising Young Woman. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. As always, a huge hi and welcome or welcome back to Verbal Diorama, whether you're a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are a returning listener, regular or irregular, thank you so much for coming back or coming to this podcast choosing this podcast and basically no matter how you found this podcast, no matter how you found this episode, I'm really happy to have you here because this is going to be a very important episode. This is an important episode for me on the history and legacy of Promising Your Woman. And this episode, this is an anorama episode. And if you don't know what that means is technically it's a bonus episode. So it's an episode that doesn't come out on a Thursday. It's a slightly shorter episode. I tend to focus on 
tidbits of information rather than the whole story of how a movie got made. And this is one that I've wanted to talk about for a long time, but especially now. And you'll understand more of why I want to talk about this now when I get into the episode a little bit later. But before I do get into it, huge thank you as always to everyone who has listened to, well, any episode of this podcast, but especially most previous episodes. So I've done an episode on District 9 recently and also The Terminator. And if you think about it, Sarah Connor was herself a promising young woman with an important future. And while the segue isn't particularly normal, it's really the only segue that I can do from an episode like The Terminator to an episode on Promising Young Woman. And the reason why I want to talk about this movie is not so much for its history, but for its legacy, because this is a movie that everyone needs to see. And I can't stress that enough, but especially men and boys, because I feel like this is a movie that everyone can learn from and women can definitely learn a lot from this movie, but this is one that men and boys really, really need to see. And before I get into it, I have to really start with a trigger warning. Because if you are a listener who's experienced rape, sexual abuse, or abortion, because I do go into that topic as well, this episode does go pretty deep into all of those topics throughout. I'm also including the lack of rape convictions here in the UK and some statistics on the lack of rape convictions. So if you find that particularly triggering and you would prefer not to listen to this episode, I totally understand. Please feel free to walk away from this episode, delete it from your player. You don't have to listen to this. Please come back next time, if you wish. Next episode is going to be something a bit more light and a bit more fun and a bit more enjoyable. But if you don't want to listen to this, you are under no obligation to listen to this because these are topics that are really serious, but these are topics that happen to women all across the world every single day. That's why we need to talk about them. But I completely understand if you are triggered by the topics in this episode. Because can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? Here's the trailer for Promising Young Woman. Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? I need to lay down. What are you doing? It's okay, you're safe. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra? We were in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. 
I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Why do you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. After Cassie's best friend Nina is raped and no one is brought to justice for it, Nina commits suicide and Cassie's world falls apart. Tormented by grief and rage, Cassie spends her nights faking intoxication in bars and clubs, allowing nice men to take her home and revealing her sobriety as they attempt to take advantage of her. A chance encounter with an old college friend, Ryan, leads to a date, which leads to a relationship. Ryan then casually mentions that Nina's rapist is getting married and Cassie plans the ultimate revenge. Let's quickly run through the cast of this movie. Kerry Mulligan as Cassie Thomas, Bo Burnham as Ryan Cooper, Alison Brie as Madison McPhee, Clancy Brown as Stanley Thomas, Jennifer Coolidge as Susan Thomas, Laverne Cox as Gail, Chris Lowell as Alvin Rowe, Molly Shannon as Mrs. Fisher, Connie Britton as Dean Walker, Adam Brody as Jerry, Max Greenfield as Joe, Christopher Mintz Plass as Neil, and Alfred Molina as Jordan Green. Promising Young Woman was written and directed by Emerald Fennell. Are you good? Do you consider yourself a good person? What does it mean to be a good person? Is it always doing the right thing? Is it living a life following laws? Is it not doing bad things? Is it not doing bad things but calling out other people who do? Is it taking responsibility for the bad things despite them not being done by you but acknowledging that there's a real problem with people who do bad things and never get held accountable or facing justice for those things? Is it using your privilege to raise awareness and highlight the bad things and making people feel really uncomfortable about them and forcing them to question their own inherent goodness? And the reason why I'm asking these questions, they are pretty rhetorical because I know you can't answer, but hopefully, it's at least made you think. And the reason I'm talking about privilege to raise awareness is because Emerald Fennell had such a privilege. And for her feature-length writing and directorial debut, she chose to focus on a single scene that she kept coming back to in her mind of an inebriated young woman sprawled on a bed as a young man starts to remove her clothing. Slurring her words, she asks what the man is doing and he fails to stop. She then asks the same question, completely lucid. Emerald Fennell, who also wrote Killing Eve, as well as being an actor, probably most famous for Called Midwife and The Crown, she made her filmmaking debut with the short Careful How You Go, starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge, also of Killing Eve. And she had been thinking a lot about rage and about how it manifests in women. And women, we have a lot to be angry about. <laughs> 
So buckle up for this because I'm going to tell you the truth about being a woman from my experiences of being a woman. I can't speak for all women, but I can speak for me. And this is my podcast. So this is my opportunity to speak for me. From birth, we're told to behave. We're told to be quiet and submissive. We're told to dream of becoming a princess one day. We're surrounded in pink and pastel colours. If we have brothers, as I do, you notice immediately the difference between raising boys and raising girls. My brother was never subjected to the same restrictions that I was. As girls get older, we're told we can't dress in what could be seen as a provocative way. No short skirts, no strappy tops. We're told we can't be sexual, that we have to value virginity, that we can't be too flirty, too much of a tease, because if we show our sexuality, if a man takes advantage of that, it's our own fault for, delete as applicable, dressing too sexy, flirting too much, drinking too much. The list goes on. It's basically always going to be the woman's fault. And if we do go out on a date, we always have to have a backup plan, an escape route, a friend to call at certain times just in case. You have to always meet in a public place. And when he does offer to buy dinner or drinks, then you'll owe him for that. Probably just a kiss, but maybe he might expect more. And if you don't deliver on what you owe, well, you're just a slut anyway, and probably just an ugly one too. He never wanted to go out with you anyway. And if you do start a relationship with a quote-unquote nice guy, sometimes these men can start to get controlling. They start to control what you wear, where you go, who your friends are, start to suggest changes to your life. Then they can start to raise their voice. They start shouting at you, screaming at you for not complying with what they want. And then, just sometimes, it can lead to more. It can lead to them raising their hand to you. And sometimes worse than that. So not only are women told what to wear, how to act, now, now, certain countries are telling women what they can do with their reproductive organs too. Are you kidding me? You wonder why we're mad? Men would be furious if this was their experience. Now, if you're a woman listening to this, and this has been your life too, isn't it sad that we have to deal with this all the damn time? Or that we constantly have to worry about stuff like this? If you're a man listening to this and you're disgusted and horrified, chances are one of your friends is like this, or worse. If you're a man listening to this and has treated a woman like this, well, hopefully you'll take a long, hard look in the mirror and realise you were wrong and that you can be better. That probably won't be the end of my rage in this episode because Promising Young Woman was a movie I knew I wanted to see immediately as soon as I saw the trailer. And to me, this movie did not disappoint. Emerald Fennell began shopping her project around to potential buyers in 2017, but the subject matter wasn't an immediate selling point for many. She found herself against quite a lot of resistance. Several studios wanted to tone down the dark comedy. Others wanted to commercialise it and turn it into a pure revenge thriller. But Fennell wanted to subvert the angry, vengeful woman trope. And this is where the story veers off slightly. And we start talking about the wonderful Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie is not only a terrific actor. I've talked about her a few times so far in this podcast for Birds of Prey and The Suicide Squad. But Margot Robbie is way more than just Harley Quinn. In fact, She's a powerhouse of a producer in her own right. She founded Lucky Chap Entertainment in 2014 alongside her now husband, Tom Ackerley, Josie McNamara and Sophia Kerr. 
Robin wanted control of her own Hollywood destiny, wanted to be a role model by example, producing female-driven content and reflecting the real lives of women on screen. The week before the Harvey Weinstein scandal hit Hollywood, Robbie had given an inspiring speech at a Woman in Film Awards night in the form of a letter to Hollywood, in which she addressed how women have to, quote, fight through degrading situations and will be offered chauvinistic roles by men who think that's all anybody wants to see us play. We are all just women, all facing the inequalities that being a woman brings with it. And though we are unique and powerful as individuals, we are invincible when we come together. Starting with I, Tonya in 2017, based on the life of American ice skater Tonya Harding, which Robbie starred in, which also earned an Academy Award for Alison Janney as Best Supporting Actress, a BAFTA and a Golden Globe Award, along with several nominations. Promising a woman wouldn't come to fruition for a couple more years, but Lucky Chap completely understood Fennel's vision and allowed her the creative freedom to make exactly the sort of movie she wanted and needed to. While Margot Robbie has starred in a few Lucky Chap productions, even she freely admits she can't star in all of them. And so when it came to casting Cassie, they needed an actress with an air of prestige around her. Enter Carrie Mulligan. Oscar and Golden Globe nominated for an education, a BAFTA winner for an education, nominated for Drive. Fennell and Mulligan both worked on a 2006 episode of British crime drama Trial and Retribution, but both actually only remembered two weeks into filming Promising Young Woman. Fennell's mood boards for Promising Young Woman consisted of images from the movie To Die For, The Virgin Suicides and Sweet Valley High, and a playlist of pop anthems from artists like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears, that Fennell had on repeat as she wrote the script. Both Paris Hilton and Britney Spears would end up on the soundtrack for this movie. When it came to casting the male characters, Fennell knew she wanted actors who were recognised for playing the good guy in past roles, such as Adam Brody from The O.C., Max Greenfield from New Girl and Chris Lowell from Veronica Mars. Fennell was certain Bo Burnham was the ideal fit for the role of Ryan, a charming former classmate turned paediatric surgeon who charms Mulligan's character for a significant portion of the film. She needed a starring man who would appeal to audiences for being a more sophisticated and modern man to the others in the movie. That way, viewers would be appropriately shocked when she pulled the rug out from under them later in the movie, showing, spoiler alert, a more sinister and self-serving side. The male performers were instructed by Fennel to see themselves as the romantic leads of their own movie. Just like in the beginning of many rom-coms, she would tell them this is the beginning of a romantic comedy and you're the great guy who saved this girl from your skeezy friends and you're going to sleep with them and then, oops, neither of you are going to remember what happened last night. The rest of the cast was rounded out by LA natives, Alison Brie, Laverne Cox, Connie Britton and Molly Shannon because Los Angeles was chosen as the filming location despite it being set in a nondescript US town. They just avoided filming recognisable landmarks or buildings to keep it as generic as possible. Filming started on Promising Young Woman in the spring of 2019 for a reasonably brief 23-day filming schedule. The timeline was affected by both financial limitations and also Emerald Fennell was pregnant at the time. She was in her third trimester during filming, so they had to get it finished as soon as possible. Not only did Carrie Mulligan have to convincingly play a woman pretending to be drunk, she also insisted on filming her own character's death without a stunt double. In one of the movie's last moments, Cassie confronts her friend's rapist, Al, 
A life or death struggle between Cassie and Al concludes the scene. The demanding scene required him to keep a pillow over her face for a staggering two and a half minutes without the camera cutting away. Mulligan and Lowell had been trained by stuntmen who had helped choreograph the scene. And two and a half minutes being smothered by a pillow is actually how long it would take to suffocate a woman. And Fennel learned this from her ex-cop father-in-law. That doesn't mean the scene was filmed without incident because they completed the first two takes with no issues, but on the third, Mulligan missed time to the motion of her face to the side. She felt herself suddenly unable to breathe. She raised a hand to indicate to Fennel that they should cut and she started crying. Everyone in the crew, every single person just had their hands over their mouths, over the terrifying incident. And it just proves how quickly any film stunt can have the potential to go wrong. Fennel initially intended for the movie to finish when Cassie's body was burned, but the production's backers objected to having a depressing ending. She even thought about having Cassie show up at the wedding and kill the guilty men, but she dismissed the idea as implausible. She believed Cassie would be meticulous in her planning and knew that she could die, therefore she chose to have the ending where Cassie had a backup revenge plan. Fennel added that Cassie's sense of humour would be shown by Al being apprehended at his own wedding. But the beauty of Promising Young Woman isn't that men are the problem. And if you walk away from this movie as a man thinking that you are pointed at as this movie saying you're the only problem, you're not the only problem. Because women are the problem too. And in this movie, it's depicted by the characters Madison McPhee and Dean Walker. For Dean Walker, Fennel would say, it was important that she's young, not a 75-year-old woman at the end of her career. This is obviously an incredibly hardworking, promising young woman in her own right, who at the time of the incident would have been even younger. The room she's sitting in is dark, mahogany-panelled space, with only portraits of men everywhere. It's a patriarchal environment. What do you have to do to get that job? And who do you have to ally yourself with? Both Madison and Dean Walker are patriarchy enablers who either participate in the cruel conversation about Nina's rape or put Al's future ahead of Nina's safety. Because boys will be boys, right? This movie is meant to serve as a mirror. It aims to get the audience to think about the nuances of patriarchy and how diverse people, regardless of their rank, gender or age, frequently perpetuate the patriarchy. Cassie unfortunately becomes a vehicle for this cautionary tale as her agency is taken away. The hashtag MeToo movement had highlighted the need for victims of sexual assault and rape to feel safe and able to speak their truth without fear of repercussion or societal judgment. But here in the UK in 2021, fewer than one in 60 rape cases lead to the perpetrator being charged. The number of victims dropping their cases because of lengthy investigations and trial processes jumped to 43% in 2020. But what makes me so mad is the instant you mention rape convictions, there's always going to be some guy who will pipe up in the background. But what about the women who are lying? And to that I say, my dude, what about the thousands of men who literally get away with rape? Why is the reputation of a man more important here? And that's exactly the problem that this movie is trying to say. That's why so many women are afraid to come forward. And then when they do, and it goes to trial, the prosecution will rip into them because they were wearing a short skirt that night, or they were drunk, and maybe they were asking for it. Three weeks after Promising a Woman wrapped, Fennel gave birth to a baby boy. Promising a Woman made its debut at Sundance on the 25th of January 2020. Due to the early shutdown of movie theatres brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, 
It was originally scheduled for a premiere on the 17th of April 2020, but it was moved from the schedule and released on the 25th of December 2020 in the US instead. Here in the UK, it was released online as a Sky original on Sky TV and Now TV. Promising a Woman grossed $6.5 million in the United States and Canada and $10.7 million in other countries for a worldwide total of $17.2 million. It was widely critically acclaimed and when awards season came round, was highly praised. It was nominated for five categories, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Original Screenplay and Best Film Editing at the 93rd Academy Awards, which it won for Best Original Screenplay. It was nominated in six categories at the 74th British Academy Film Awards for Best Film, Best Original Screenplay, Best Casting, Best Editing, Best Original Music and Outstanding British Film, which it won two awards for, Best Original Screenplay and Outstanding British Film. It was nominated for four categories at the 78th Golden Globe Awards for Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Actress Motion Picture Drama, Best Director and Best Screenplay. Out of a total of 89 nominations, Promising Young Woman won 33 awards. I just want to quickly segue to the obligatory Keanu reference. Now, it's not normally the sort of episode I would include an obligatory Keanu reference in, but this is a part of the podcast where I try and link the movie that I'm featuring to Keanu Reeves. And this is an opportune moment for me to say, be more respectful of women like Keanu is. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Because this is an Anorama episode, I'm not going to be doing any listener comments or anything like that. But I do just want to finish this episode by saying, I know this has been an emotive episode. It's been an emotional episode for me to write, to think about, to talk about. And I just want to finish it off with this. The responsibility of justice should not be shouldered on female victims. If this movie made you uncomfortable, it's doing its job. Sexual assault is deadly. It changes lives irrevocably. But even women are complicit. The benefit of the doubt is almost always given to men. The future is always prioritised for men. The well-being of a man is paramount to the well-being of a woman. This has to change. Cassie's story may be make-believe, but it's a story echoed in the loved ones of rape victims across the world. Rape survivors who couldn't live with the actions of the man responsible or the justice system failing them at every turn. This is every woman's worst nightmare, and it happens too often. And if a woman is raped and she falls pregnant as a result of that rape, some states in America now will not allow that woman, already traumatised from sexual assault, access to safe, legal abortion. Millions of women across America cannot access abortions for any reason, including unwanted pregnancies from rape, incest, babies that, due to congenital disease, may either die in utero or will not live beyond birth, or simply the woman doesn't feel ready to raise a child right now, whether that's for emotional, financial or mental health reasons. But to be honest, a woman doesn't need a reason to access that abortion. Her body, her choice. These women's only choices now are that they're either forced to give birth to a child, they cross state borders into states that allow safe, legal access to abortion if they have the means to, or they end up getting illegal potentially unsanitary back alley abortions risking the lives of millions of women every year. This ruling affects all women, but mainly the lives of disadvantaged women. The US Supreme Court has made it clear that the rights of women and girls across the US do not matter. This ruling doesn't affect the men who made it, 
but it will affect someone's sister, someone's daughter, someone's granddaughter, someone's niece. Wild Promising Young Woman isn't about abortion. It's about an experience that millions of women face all the time. Change needs to start now. And it doesn't start with removing the rights of women. It starts with enhancing the rights of women. And for men to truly embrace the hashtag not all men thing that formed around the Me Too era, prove it. Prove you're not complicit. Stand with women, for women. Men shouldn't use mothers, sisters, daughters and nieces as a reason to stand up. They should stand up because it's the right thing to do. Believe women, respect women, fight for women. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on promising your woman. As this is an Anorama episode, I'm not going to go through what I normally go through at the end, except to say that if you do need to talk to someone after this episode, please reach out to a charity Someone like the Samaritans, if you do need to talk to someone, please make sure you talk to someone. The next episode, as of the release of this episode is coming out in a few days, it is on a slightly lighter topic on the movie Airplane. So yes, whilst this episode has been really serious, it's something that I really desperately wanted to say and record and put out there. This is an important topic. It's a topic that I feel very passionate about. And I've used Promising a Woman as a tool to kind of get that topic out there. Obviously, if you do want to support this podcast, that would be amazing. But I would much prefer that instead your money go towards supporting abortion rights in the US because there are women out there that desperately need our help. I'm very grateful for you listening to this episode and get in touch with me on social media. If you want to talk about anything, feel free. My DMs are open. But otherwise, and finally, Bye. Move it, you know.